Welcome to today's episode of Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host, Andy Rieger of Jay Rieger & Co., as always joined by one of my good buddies, Matt Basinger of SwellSpark. We're in the Let It Fly Media Studios, and today's episode is brought to you by M-Prize Bank. When you need a partner, not just another bank, member FDIC. We've got a very relevant to what's going on in society right now individual here joining us in the studio, Rob Petkin, the president and owner of Bordner Home Improvement. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Let's just get straight to it. Uh, what does your company do? We have some assumptions based off of the name. It's aptly named, right? But what do y'all do? Yeah, we call our ch ourselves a uh, trade specialty contractor. So we do roofing, siding, we do windows as well as bath remodels mm -hmm. and uh, also repairs for stucco. Okay. Can you, we're filming this in the middle of July, 2021, home and general contracting. It feels like this world has had a little bit of a, a magnifying glass because it's just it's changed so much. It's growing so much. It's what's the industry like right now from the inside? Uh, like nothing we've ever seen. Uh, it started with COVID when we thought the whole world was going to shut down and nothing was going to happen for months. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden everybody got stuck at home and they got a stimulus check and they started looking around the place and canceling vacations. And we went from a thought to the thought that everybody wanted to do. So demand is really high for the things that we offer and uh, materials are very scarce as well as labor to do it. Sure. So how do you manage that? Because I, I, so much of what I'm anticipating being your industry is, is not just the doing of the thing, but also the communication with your customers as far as, hey, the reality is, is we're delayed because of this or that. Like what makes you and, and your company really, really good at what you do? Yeah, so our purpose statement is be relationship focused and results driven. So the idea is in our space, there's a lot of people that can spin a great marketing campaign. And then when they get to your home, it's a disaster. What happens? <laughs> right. And that's what we see those on the news on. all the Absolutely. time. Absolutely, yeah. That's what everybody keys on the right? investigators. And, and so but on the flip side of it, you get really good contractors that are great at what they do, but they're horrible at communication. And that leaves you wanting. And you usually hear people say, I love the results, but the process was miserable. Sure. Right. So that's why we developed that purpose statement a couple of years ago. We said, look, let, let's make sure that we're focused in on both of these. And that purpose statement, if I'm completely transparent, is taking on the greatest challenge right now, just because we can go from eight weeks backed out to 16 weeks uh, by things that are not our controllables, like the manufacturer and the parts and pieces that are needed to get the job done. So raw material prices, you can pass along to the customers and they expect that the costs go up. Labor is a completely different one, and you hit on that just a few moments ago. What has it been like trying to really supply all of the demand that you're receiving during this time period, considering what's happened to the labor market? Yeah, I think that's been a challenge in our industry for years, and, and certainly what's happened has amplified it uh, with people, and, and whether it's uh, not being able to find the right opportunity for them, they desire to work, or maybe there's not a desire to work right now based on personal circumstances, but that's been a challenge for us for years. The trades have been... Uh, maybe neglected or seen as a, a secondary level uh, opportunity uh, for people. And so we've been challenged with that scarcity for years. And it really comes down to being the place that everybody wants to work and having a great training program. If we can balance both of those out, um, we can be at the top of the list of uh, where those people that want to do the work are at. So let's back up a little bit. How did you get into this role? Did you, I mean, was there, was there a point in time where you were the guy swinging a hammer or uh, walk me through kind of where you were, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago 
to now? Yeah, great. So I've been with the company 20 years and owned it for the past two. Okay. And uh, my father-in-law and his two brothers founded it uh, as a roofing company in 1987. And I was in sales and marketing, and my father-in-law came to me and he said, you know, we are new construction only. That's what we do. And we want a more balanced business. We want to service homeowners as well. And we'd like you to bring your sales and marketing background to do that. There was one caveat. Uh, all three of them, the three founders, were roofers by trade. Okay. And they said, uh, so if you will come to work for us and roof for five years, you may know enough to sell one at that point. Wow. And I was just young enough and just naive enough to agree to that. And uh, three months into that, I went into his office and I said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is you have a lot of great roofers out there. The bad news, I'm not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And so I said, but I think I can already explain it better than any of them because I just have a passion for communication and for people. And so we renegotiated our terms from that standpoint and I started in in the sales role in the business about 20 years ago and just kind of grew up uh, in it, sitting in all the seats at one time or another. Well, so let's talk about that. I mean, if, if you live in Kansas City and you own a television and you haven't seen one of your commercials, then I don't really know what you're watching on television. Talk about that. And you're, you're marketing something that really isn't traditionally a marketed product. I mean, you, when you think about it, it's not, you've made a brand out of something that traditionally isn't a brand. Walk us through sort of your approach going all the way back to when you renegotiated your terms, put yourself in that role and said, we're not just a roofing company. We need to tell people that we are much more than that. Yeah. So my father-in-law's vision when he founded the company, going all the way back to, he was, he was in the industry, he was working for other companies. It was really just a hard grinding way to make a living in, but he had a lot of pride in it. He had a lot of pride in the construction and the building of things. And He always knew that he could create that into something that people would want to do, Uh, make it into a company where there's systems, there's processes, there's an ability to do what you enjoy doing, but at the same time deliver a service that, that creates something for people that they can't do on their own. And so that's really what our marketing is all built around, is the idea going back to our purpose statement again, this relationship focused and results driven if we, if we deliver one but not the other on those, we leave people wanting mm-hmm. either way. And so just constantly working on whether it's the marketing message or the substance uh, of that to make sure that we know what are the things we need to work on to deliver on both sides of that promise. Sure. Tell me a little bit more about the company. Uh, you, you have been in the role that you're in now for two years. Um, like how many folks are on staff? Uh, in taking over and transitioning, uh, and I, I want to touch more about the family dynamic too, um, but like where are you all headed as well? And, and even, I know I'm asking too many questions at once, and also like what do you focus on? Um, so in order, right? Uh, how many folks working with you? Where are you based out of? And then we'll get to the other ones because I talk too much. Do you even yeah. remember the other questions? Probably. I'll, I'll think about it for a sec. So our home office is in Raytown here mm-hmm. in Kansas City. We do have another office that we opened up this year in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, so we have two locations as of this year. We have 70 employees here in Kansas City. Wow. And uh, we also network with a, a pretty exhaustive network of uh, what we call installation partners or independent contractors that do the trade work that we do. Sure. And so the network uh, is, is pretty large within what we touch base on. But um, office-wise, we're centrally located out of Kansas City. Our roots are in Kansas City. And uh, that's really what we've tried to do going back to the marketing message is just Mm -hmm. make sure that we are uh, establishing very deep roots here in Kansas City with the processes that we 
have. And are those 70 employees, is this a lot of office staff? Is this the contractors themselves? Like, what's the makeup of your team? Yeah, so we have, uh, it's about 50-50. Okay. Uh, by the time you count our marketing staff, uh, we do a lot of shows, events, things like that where we're in front of our customer base. Uh, a lot of what we call hand-to-hand marketing, and so that's uh, very people-intensive, as well as our office staff and being able to process the work and and everything else through it. So it is this smooth process that we're committing on the front end uh, to our customers. So it's about 50-50. And and so Bordner is a general contractor service. All of the subs aren't also employees. of. It's not the the Bordner plumber is coming to also help with the bathroom. The Bordner tile team is coming to help. You guys are working with subs, and you are just helping homeowners facilitate this process? So it's a hybrid. Uh, It really depends on the scope of the work and what we're doing, and it also depends on the seasonal demand of things. So we have uh, installers that are our employees, as well as we network with that uh, group of what I said were installation partners that we work with on a regular basis. And then obviously with remodel, and, and again, I'm talking about inside, not outside, right? So we're talking about different things. Stucco on a house, there's not much to really talk about other than the nuts and bolts of what you need to decide on a few decisions, roofing, same thing. But someone wants to redo a bathroom. Is that a large part of your business? It's growing. It's actually the area of our business that is growing the most um, within that. And that's why we have a hybrid model is because there are some things that are very hands-on that require higher levels of communication and aren't quite the massive you know, movements of tearing a roof off or doing an entire home and siding on the exterior. And so we tried to look at each one of those individually and set up our own systems and processes within that that meet uh, that demand and still make us very competitive in the market. So you said, what do I focus in on Mm -hmm. and really spend a lot of time on systems and processes, trying to look at how are we meeting expectations? How are we missing expectations? And what are our customers giving us feedback on that we know we can work on in order to do that. So the like the last bit on the, I'm really focusing on the interior side of this, design. When you talk about restrooms, there's a huge element of design where it's, you're not just really focusing on what is the type of siding, what is the type of stucco, what is the type of roofing material, it's you know, the tile, the style, the color, the sink, the flooring, I mean, a million different things that have to go together. Is that something where you guys have interior decorators on staff? Is that something where you say, hey, here's a list of interior decorators we recommend working with. You should interview them as the end customer. We work well with all of these different companies that do this for you. How does that process work? We really target a niche within the the bathroom remodel space, if you will. Uh, Most of our jobs are one to three days. We're dealing with a lot of the nuts and bolts where people start or what we look at is like a phase one on a bathroom remodel. So we're replacing uh, what's commonly called the wet area. It's conversions from uh, tubs to showers. Uh, maybe somebody is doing an aging in place and want a soaker tub in that area, but really working in that confined area because the bathroom space is one that's a real inconvenience to have shut down for long periods of time. I mean, that really interferes with people's lives. And so our idea is if we can offer solutions that allow people to start with the biggest spots, do them in an efficient way, that then they have a foundation to start with and rebuild without having to be without that space for long periods of time, that's typically our customer. There's a difference between a service and a business, right? And a lot of folks who are working in contracting, they're a service provider. They're, hey, I'm Bob and I'm the plumber. And when they finish their career, it's not like they have a thing to sell. There's not a company to sell. You guys have gone a different direction, as Andy was saying. Like, you have a marketable brand brand that has outlived your father-in-law's, you know, 
direct uh, representation. I mean, this is in your hands now, right? And so how do you continue moving forward to grow that brand that you've been a part of now for, for 20 some odd years? Like, where do you go next? You said Atlanta, right? Tell, how does that happen? <laughs> well, that was actually through, we knew that we had uh, a 10-year plan for our business to okay. grow. And really, we set that on a growth number. So we gave ourselves the freedom that we could add trades and different things that we do, or we could expand our footprint location-wise. Mm -hmm. uh, Atlanta really came up just more as an opportunity with the right person at the right time. Okay. And so uh, we're trying to allow our business the freedom to organically grow within those opportunities that they show themselves. That's the rhyme or reason of why we're there. But yeah. where we go as a whole, it, it still goes back to one of the three uniques that we have as a business is being people-focused. And so when we go in and we're improving people's homes, we emphasize constantly, they're not jobs, they're homes, because it's totally different when you go into people's homes to do the thing that you do. You're a disruption to a regular life rhythm. There are things that go on that are uncertain that people need to know that they're going to be brought back to this hole and this vision that they have in their head. And so for us, as we grow this and, and we look at a business that, you know, creates value, it, it's really created in this people-focused model of, you know, our purpose, our vision of what we're doing is being able to offer that mm -hmm. service in a way uh, that meets each customer's need. Yeah. My last real question set falls around predictions with the economy and what's going on, being that you guys obviously look at it from the housing market very, very closely. What are you really seeing with materials and those commodities? What are you seeing with new housing starts? What are you seeing with renovation permits? Where are you really feeling that over the next year, year and a half, how things are going to flow? I think in the short run, we're really slated for a continued pretty hot economy in the next year of that because of just uh, the number of people that started this a year and a half ago and said, whoa, the housing market is really getting hot. I'm going to sell at a high, and then I'm going to sit out and wait for this to cool off. And then it just keeps going and it keeps going. And so more and more people sit in that. So as I look at the statistics, uh, I like to try to talk to people that own apartment complexes, things like that, because that's usually where people are going. Their occupancy rates right now are sky high uh, with people, you know, families that are in those homes that have been in single family homes. And so the labor uh, constraint as a whole makes this a real interesting dynamic because what would be homes that are normally put up in six months are now taking 18 months mm. to build. And so that continues to build this out longer and longer to where maybe the demand isn't going to continue to spike sky high, but it's going to stay at this high level that we have just because of all these people that are that are in that process. Are you seeing people though canceling some of their plans because the starting date is getting pushed back continually because everything is being stretched out from six to 18 months using your specific example? Yeah, I think certainly that is, you know, in this world, you just don't wait for things anymore, right? If I order something from Amazon, I can look and see when it's going into a box in Kentucky and, you know, I know it's coming. I, you don't wait for that information anymore. So we're starting to speak a foreign language to people when we start saying eight weeks, 10 weeks, 16 weeks. And so that's one of the things that we try to really key on is offer solutions for people where we're looking at this and, and helping them walk through, right, making sure it's the right long-term solution for them. Do we have the right uh, mix within, uh, whether it's a financing project or the, do the payments match something that they can see themselves long-term this really being a benefit to? But I think certainly the wait time is a challenge uh, for, you know, our projects as a whole is people just want, you know, if you got something that you want, you want it now. Absolutely. 
Rob, it'll be fun to catch up more about this hopefully in a year or two once once we can kind of see where not the market is going, but where it has been. But in the meantime, this is let me be brief, which means we got to be kind of brief. I'm going to switch subjects on you. Last question. What's the coolest thing you've ever done? So about 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to do a speaking tour in Germany with a mentor of mine, and uh, he spoke at 10 different college universities, mm -hmm. and I was able to go along with him uh, and help in that role, uh, speak to the groups as well. And uh, that was just a great time to see just the disparity from, we went all the way from West Germany, starting there in the universities, to East Germany. So mm -hmm. you get into the former Soviet bloc and, you know, just what kind of effects uh, you have more of a Western culture, you know, as you're in West Germany, then okay. you get to the communist influence and just uh, how that shapes the people, how they're different, how they interact differently because of those influences and everything else. And so for me, that was a life-changing trip just to wow. see... Uh, those different groups of people and how to relate to each of them. Do you speak any German? Absolutely not. All right. <laughs> just, just had a great translator. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Well, well, thank you so much for spending time with us today on behalf of Emprise Bank, Jay Rieger and Co. Let me let it fly media. Listen, let me be brief. Uh, and you better be spark. brief. Uh, really appreciate your insight and uh, look forward to your continued growth here in Kansas City and Atlanta. Thank you guys. Thanks, Rob.